Hello, this is Billy Moon. Thanks for tuning into my podcast. It's 2022 already, season three. As COVID stays in our lives, I missed talking and learning from other creatives. And I discovered a newfound hobby of connecting people to other people to get close to their dreams. So bear with my interview skills, if any, and dive into the stills of life. Are you ready? Let's go. For you to be a prosecutor who has basically near immunity, like a prosecutor is near God level immunity. Yeah. So for a prosecutor to have her law license stripped is like them basically saying you are scum of the earth as a lawyer. <laughs> like because the things you did while you were a prosecutor are still not protected on immunity because you were so, you were so scummy. So I saw these people kind of get their comeuppance and I'm like, all right, I'm turning the corner. I go, I ski, I snowboard, I learned a motorcycle, I learned to sail. You know, I go back to SF. And the book that I wrote when I was in prison. Yeah. We post a little video on it at Reddit. One day, I get an email. Hey, my name is so-and-so. I'm an executive producer of Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man Homecoming, Avengers, Iron Man 2. My dad used to live in South America a little bit when I was a kid. He just went down all the movie lists. I would love to read a copy of your book and talk about making making a movie what with you. What the fuck? <laughs> well, how did he find the book? This is on Reddit. On Reddit, unpublished manuscript. Executives go on Reddit? That I wrote 100%. That's why Marvel movies are good. Because the Marvel executives are actually listening to what fans say. That's what Marvel wow. and these other failed franchises. But that's one out of a million. There's like tons of shit on Reddit. And they don't even know you as a filmmaker or a writer already, right? I was completely... I was just some was dude just on out the, of the blue. Yeah. It makes more sense. Now I'm hearing all Hollywood. He would even tell you now. It's like by the time a book is, Who is this? public, Jeremy Latcham. Is this Kevin? No, it's not Kevin. It's not is Kevin. Is it Amy? <laughs> Jeremy Latcham is his name. He was a senior vice president in production. He was started at Marvel in 2005. Like literally was like one of the founding six for Marvel Studios. Right, so tell me about this book and what's the status? So or I, script. I come out here. I, fly, I come out here to LA and I go to the Fox studio lot and I see. Wait, when is this? 2018, 2018. Still, okay. And I see, uh, you know, Julie Andrews, uh, uh, Billboard. I see Deadpool, Atlanta, Simpsons, Star Wars. And I'm like, I was in 40 months. I was dream- like, again, to think that I was, I, I got out in May 2017. Yeah. And within a year, I'm meeting with a former top Marvel executive about a book that I wrote in print. He doesn't know that part of it. He only knows that I just, this book. Did you we, tell him up front? Uh, no, it was a couple years before I would tell him. Because I didn't want the story to be about the thing, right? So, yeah. So we meet for three hours. and he, he, I remember he said Robert once. I was like, Robert? Who's Robert? He said, oh, like Robert Downey Jr. I was like, oh. I was like, yeah, I guess of course you call him Robert. Wait, can you, you, are, you are you allowed to tell us the log line at least? Of the plot, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the no, it's like on our like, website no, and everything. The, yeah. What's the one sentence? Two, uh, two mixed race kids uh, after losing their mother. Uh, brothers, uh, uh, t- brother and sister, okay. loosely based off my niece and nephew, right? Two mixed race kids uh, find a portal through time, oh. and uh, and and go back to oh. land in the ancient Incas on a search for their mother. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah that's yeah. beautiful. It's a it's a travel log style. Like think like Any, after last Airbender, yeah. like meets Indiana Jones. Like these two young kids who I, I love it. Yeah. I but instead of it. but instead of going to like the ruins, like I just watched The Lost City 
and think about like um, also Uncharted. Sandra Bullock. Yeah, yeah. it's a mm-hmm. modern movie, right? Yeah. Where like there's a MacGuffin and who we don't care about the civilization, right? <laughs> and I was like, we I want to do a thing where they actually go back to when the Incas are prominent. Mm. And actually, the fact that they're mixed race even will become interesting as a storytelling device because they'll be mixed race in Egypt or Incas, and so the Incas kind of be like, "Are you what?" Like, kind of right, right, right. Yeah, kind of more conf- confusion is good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're kind of confused. Are you Incas or are you not Incas? So the Spaniards capture them thinking they're Incas, and then they have to escape and they go to Cusco, and then and it's like Leo and Helen lost to the Americas, but ironically enough, of course. Like Machu Picchu was not lost to the Incans. They built it. <laughs> they knew where it was. Oh. It was lost from the Spaniards and the Europeans. And so one of the big story devices is that Leo and Helen are twins have to help um, lose the city. So every other lost city device is trying to find a city that was lost. But the Incas knew where Machu Picchu was because they just built it. Instead, our hero and heroine have to help them hide the city and hide the knowledge of it from the Spaniards. And, uh, and of course, because it's fantasy, there's some Shit, magic You did all that in. history research in, in that library, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of it was just like whatever I could invent in my mind. I didn't have the internet, right? Like, I, right. you know, I just, like, whatever I created. So Jeremy reads it to the surprise of no one. I wasn't a good enough writer. Like, what I have to tell people now is like, imagine you saw the first copy of the first first draft of the first manuscript you ever wrote creatively, you sent it to someone who had produced five of the biggest movies in history. Yeah. <laughs> like now in retrospect, I'm like, what was I doing? But at the time, because I came from tech, where you can get funded from an idea, I was like, oh, I'm gonna send it to him, he's gonna like it, he's gonna go hire a real writer right. to like rewrite it and do the thing the usual, and then go yeah. make it his movie. Because that's what would happen in tech. Oh, you have a prototype? Oh, it sucks, but like we can see the vision. And we'll get money. Well, Hollywood doesn't work like that. Hollywood, well, th- you better come too. out. You better come out of the womb with your thing like polished, fully, fully. A first draft is not really a first draft, right? A first draft is the iterations and yeah, yeah. But they do let go of the original creator and get the seasons writers. To, <laughs> yeah, this is true. The, this is true. So I guess it's it's both. So both so that summer, of course, obviously the family thing. You know, with my mom passed away, unfortunately. And um, and I basically just like two oh. months I take and I'm kind of like despondent and a friend kind of motivates me again and I'm basically like all right let's just go for it like what a break and, and let's just go for it like and a friend was like you just got yeah your mom passed Christy passed but you just you had literally people would kill to be in that position and you just got it and you know and it gave me the confidence Jeremy reaching out to me. This is the first creative idea I'd ever had in my life. I didn't grow. I didn't write novels. I didn't write novellas. I didn't write short stories. This was the first creative idea I've ever had in my life, and it got to number one of the top executives at Marvel. And is the script done? Yeah, so I ended up writing it as a script, and actually did ended doing it as a TV as a TV animated series, and it went all the way to the top of HBO Max. They ended up having like some other four quadrant project that they wanted to work on, but it gave me the confidence to come out here. Came out here six times in 2018 and 2018. And I moved here in January 2020, obviously just in time for the world to end through the pandemic. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and uh, I remember I met with Disney, the head of Disney uh, current series animation, the Thursday the world was shutting down. And I took the March. bus there. There's a there's a torrential downpour. And I had Google Fi internet service. And Google Fi was out for the weekend. 
great. It was like the apocalypse. Yeah, and I had one day where I cried. And I don't mean physically cried. I mean, I went to Portland where my brother lives. And I'm like, what was me? Everything I went through. I sacrificed all this. Summer camp, prison, all this other stuff. And now an ap- apocalypse. And right when I was meeting with Disney to like do something with it, everything. This is all your journey. This is a test, right? And then you just... I take a day to cry about it. Wow, yeah. wow, woe is me. The world sucks. <laughs> and then I realize, oh my God. You got to keep going. I am going to actually use this period to become... Go supernova. Yeah. Everyone else is scared about being locked down. Guess who's immune to being locked down? I'd be like, you guys don't know what locked... You think this is locked down? Yeah. I yeah. can leave the house. I can walk out like of the you front. You bitches don't complain. You know where I was when I made this story? Now I'm going to make a million dollars to Disney. And people worried about their families passing yeah. away. My yeah. mom is dead by now. My sister-in-law is dead. The two people who both I love the most on this planet and also the two people who would have been most acceptable to COVID because of their chronic illnesses, et cetera, they're gone already. Yeah. And I only know my immediate family. I don't know my extended family. We were in Nigeria and like out in the villages and whatnot. And so... I'm not worried about lockdown mentally. I'm not physically worried about COVID. I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid of my family dying. My sister works for one of the biggest insurance companies in the world. I saw all their documentation on this stuff. I knew it was going to last for about 18 to 24 months. And I like with the major disruptions. And they also wrote, they had very deep statistics about like who was at risk and who wasn't at risk. So I was very confident the first week. Like I'm like, I'm not going to like, I could theoretically, just like I could die in a crack, whatever. But like I, the odds of me dying are very low from this. So the fear is gone. And I was like, I got three months where everyone else is going to be paralyzed because they think they're going to die. And if I can focus and grind right now these three months, I might come out of this thing like light years ahead. And you know who can do Zoom all day because I came from tech? I can do Zoom back to back. 15 Zooms a day if you want. Whereas like Hollywood people are like, they don't like do Zoom meetings and Zoom pitches. I'm like, oh my God, this the, the Hollywood has come to me hmm. from my tech perch. Yeah. So I started an animation company, meet people through Netflix virtual speaker series, and we're starting to have some animation was was already going to be golden era. Every 30 years, there's golden era animation. 30s, 60s, 90s, 2020s. Pandemic just, because March, April, May 2020, well, no one can meet in person to film anything. This is before they even had the extra budget for PPE, right. but you can you can do animation. So animation goes supernova, and then George Floyd passes away, tragically. And I watch the video like everyone else. And I think about it for the weekend and pray about it, think about it, meditate about it. And remember, I remember where I've been now. I've been the army, I've been the mission, I've been I've been in prison, I've been all these things. And I realized from a a really honestly just driven place, and I was like, oh. I got about six to eight weeks where I could get almost any meeting I want in Hollywood. Because for the first time, a lot of these Hollywood people are like, oh, we don't have any black, we don't have any black people. And here I am, young, black, well-spoken, doing animation stuff. You got a story that that people are going to kill for. And, oh, wow, all the gates, agents, and managers, and all the normal gates that you don't really have, for the next six to eight weeks, I don't need any of that. The first three weeks after Memorial Day, I slept three hours a day, literally for 21 straight days. I did probably 500 meetings last summer, 350 unique, like I met 350 oh, summer 2020. 
I was doing, I remember my peak was 15 zooms in a day, 50, 50, 50 oh, zooms boy. in that week. And I was like, it's like the door's closing, like the gate in the movie, right? And yeah. if you can just slide underneath, yeah. you've made it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. No one will care after pandemic, after BLM. No one cares about black people anymore. Like after that stuff, people stop caring about it, right? Like you got like two months for like Me Too, you got two months for BLM, you got two months for Stop Asian Hate, right? Where people are like really, really caring about it. Even Ukraine. People really cared about Ukraine for like the first two to three weeks. And now, honestly, like I'm not saying people don't care, but no one can sustain a high level of interest in, in perpetuity. On top of that, 2020 was an election year. So I'm like, people are going to go from the BLM to Trump in like by August. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? In a town like LA. So I was like, I got two months. I got to take every meeting. I got to do everything I can do. And when I'm through that door, it won't matter how I got there. And one of my mentors said to me, he was like, DC, you're going to be the most prolific man of the pandemic. And I was like, I absolutely believe so. I Like, I'm not even going to be like, oh, wow, thank you. No, I was like, yeah, I agree. Like, I'm going to be the most prolific person yeah, in the pandemic. You've been through a lot. And, you Did know. Did you ever ask yourself, like, what would have happened if you didn't go to jail? I wouldn't be in LA. I wouldn't be in Hollywood. None of this. None of this. These small I, miracles wouldn't happen. I never would have created Right. I would have just kept doing tech startup stuff. and Right. Because it took me being bored, right? The sense that, like, I had no internet, no phone, like, it was just nothing. You were reborn in a way. Yeah. Like, I didn't consider myself a creator. I flunked fifth grade art class. I can't sing. You can't flunk art class. That's thank, impossible. Thank you for knowing that, by the way. There's some people I say that who are like, How do you, you flunk an art you class? You flunked fifth grade art class? I was like, Guys, I'm being facetious. Like, what did obviously, you draw? I didn't flunk fifth grade art <laughs> did class. Did you draw doo doo? Is that what you did? <laughs> that was your final? I'm more just the fact that. It was that supposed I, to be a cloud, right? I really but, sucked. But the teacher at thought art. it was I like. I really suck currently at art. It's abstract. It's art. I was so bad at singing. I tried out for a theater program in fifth grade. Uh -huh. And when I got there as musical theater, they're like, You go in the back and you lip sync. Right. We don't even want to hear like we you can't even don't even don't 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 even don't move <laughs> don't move that tongue and so it was humiliating as a, as a kid and so I'm just like I'm not a creative person I'm not a creator I'm not a cre I don't have creative bone I'm a techie I'm cerebral you know I'm charismatic I can communicate but I'm not huh. a creator so the not lesson is prison. read these books and then you can become a creative person yeah so then I go to the prison and stuff happens and um yeah, so it's it's we get by the end of the summer we get an offer from Will Smith's company for our for actually two of our animated series and Westbrook Media yeah Westbrook Media oh yeah. shit I work for them a you lot currently as a freelancer oh really in what in what aspect still photos still photos I like that yeah wait who are you who are you in contact with well Westbrook? we declined we declined oh <laughs> shit they're gonna hear this <laughs> you can always edit this part out <laughs> I. Well, I will say this, but they're, they're like lovely, like really down to earth people. And yeah, I guess, I guess you just saw it different ways, I guess. Yeah. You know, I think it's, um, I think when you go through what I've gone through, you have a really strong vision for, for your mm -hmm. life and for your work and for your creative work. And, um, and I think specifically prison puts you in a mentality of, respect becomes something really really dominant and hollywood is a world where people at certain levels are so used to being kowtowed to they're a little taken aback if someone comes in and is not kowtowing to them 
So like because Hollywood is so centralized, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The thing about the investors that can give you confidence, you go meet with investors, you know there's a hundred other investors. Well, you kind of hard to have that swag when you go to meeting with Disney when you know there's only five other <laughs> studios and maybe your agents and managers only got you meetings with two of them. So you got three shots on go. You meet with an investor, you know you got 50 more. Remember, I met 113 investors. I've not met 113 studio executives who could greenlight my thing, right? That'd be a dream. Right? Like, there's only like, and they're get, becoming more centralized. Yeah. Like at HBO Max, I never forget we went to Cartoon Network. Cartoon Network was like, oh yeah, we're not a, we're not a, we're not a network anymore. We're we're a studio. We have to pitch HBO Max if we want to get things greenlit. So the studios have become even more centralized. And so what it means is that people who come through the Hollywood system are probably a lot more used to like, to be honest, people bowing and deferring before them. Oh my God, I got to go pitch X, Y, and Z. Now, mind you, I went to prison. I was in the military. I was in the startup world. I've raised millions of dollars at this point. I've helped other people raise millions of dollars. And so the my attitude is just never going to be someone to come in and be like, bow and scrape before a studio executive. And um, I think too, I think, I think the thing you learn about Hollywood, I'm not speaking about their company specifically. I think the thing you learn about Hollywood in general, hmm. people on the top are nicer, honestly, are nicer, more thoughtful, more generous. Charles King had a great interview, right? The only black super agent, he's at Macro now, right? He's founded Macro. I don't, and know, he's, I don't know about this. So, so Charles King used to be the first black super agent in Hollywood. And he left WME. He does. He works at Macro. Now he's own. He's his own production management company now. Oh, okay. He's raised 150 million, some a lot of money for it. And he said a great, this great NPR interview. He's like, it's the people on the top are actually way more understanding. It's the people in the middle who are the most savages. Oh yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, the yeah. people in the middle are the most egotistical, arrogant, savages, Very, brutal. Yeah, because they feel like they got to push you in their place. When I go pitch Disney. Dude, they you know they know they're Disney, bro. Like they're not, they're good. Like they're yeah, they're not worried about it. But you go pitch some like mid tier place, they're like, they're trying to prove how macho they are, basically, yeah, right? I it's like that. a weird industry machismo, not sexual or or right. physically macho, but like you know professionally macho, right? Right, pretty arrogant. Yeah, and so you know, literally the best people we've ever met, the most professional people we've pitched across every studio network, whatever, is Disney. The top, the, the, the Disney animation executives. And it's like, that's funny because Disney is obviously considered, I think Netflix is catching them, but I think Disney historically has been considered the best best animation place the last hundred years, right? Yeah. And yet, I actually found them to be the most humble. Oh, good. <laughs> right? Isn't that interesting? Like, they're the best with us most humble. Think about Marvel. Think it's about not Jer- that shocking. Think about Jeremy, though, right? He's, Mar- he's the most success of any franchise. Marvel has more success than the next three franchises combined. Star Wars, Harry Potter, James Bond. And Marvel is more successful than all three of those combined. They've been around for collectively 100 plus years, and Marvel's been around for 14. Mm-hmm. And Marvel's more successful. But the attitude of Marvel, you remember someone like Jeremy, he was humble, he was kind, he was thoughtful, he was sweet. After my mom passed away, I wrote a note on Reddit and I said, Hey, a Marvel executive reached out to me. He passed on working on the thing. Um, my mom passed away, sister in law passed away. There's no, and that's it. There's no code of this story, and then I succeeded. Now, in my heart of hearts, I believed I would succeed. But the point of me writing that Reddit essay three and a half 
years ago is I want to write this essay now in time. Mark it. Put it in stone. That when I succeed, you can look back and how I honestly felt. It's easy now in the meetings and the rooms I'm in now to be like, oh man, then my sister-in-law died and my mom died in prison because it happened years ago. But go read my essay from 24, 2018 when I'm yeah. in the middle of it. It's fresh. <laughs> and I wanted to write it stone. The very next day I got an email from Jeremy. Hey, um, my movie just got done, whatever. You want to come out and visit me? <laughs> and it was way different. It was the only hour meeting. It was more, it was like, not the first meeting was a professional, but it was more. And he's like, listen, I saw the note at Reddit. The top Marvel executives all saw it. They sent it to me because there's only two people who have left Marvel. They sent it to me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know him. Da, da, da. He's green. I'm like, Jerry, you're going to tell him I'm green? You should have been like, hire him. But again, he was doing me a favor. I was green. And in Hollywood, you really have a first chance to like impress people with your writing or craft or your talent yeah. before they just write you off. So he was actually protecting me by like not sending me to the Marvel executives yet because I was too green. My writing wasn't good enough yet right. to like be like sell them a show or something, right? Or a movie or That's a good or move. staff. Yeah. So he's actually protecting me. Yeah. And he's like, I saw your mom pass, and I'm so sorry that happened, and et cetera. And I just want to check in with you. I, I'm still not ready to, to do deal with you, but like, you know, you're still too green, but like, you know. And I was like, how thoughtful was that? He's busy doing a hundred other things, and he saw this note and he wrote me an email, said, Come, come see me. I'm so sorry about your mom passing away. Literally, that's it. That's the point of the meeting. And someone to me later was like, he called you out there just to tell you sorry. I was like, he called me out there to show me he cared. He you know? must have lost his mom <laughs> you know? early too, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And for him to show me that he cared and, cause, and gave me hope because, again, you read these horror stories. You're not in Hollywood. You think everyone in Hollywood is a monster, to be honest. That's like that's what it seems like from the outside. The first, yes. per- the first person I came in contact with is the nicest, sweetest, most thoughtful. Think about the next big mentor of mine, Michael Fisk. Yeah. Nice, thoughtful, sweet human being. Ridiculously nice. So I got fortunate that I came across people early on yeah, yeah. who gave me almost too much of a positive view. Because yeah. now when I do run into those middle tier kind of jerks, I'm so taken aback. Because I'm like, wait, I know this guy who's like a major producer and he doesn't treat me like this. So like, how come you're, how come you who's it's like, usually a crew member. <laughs> how come you who's In like, my experience, doesn't yeah. have the track record is yeah. treating me like that. And, yeah, it's, um, a, it's a strange thing. I, I tell my friends all the time. They find it hard to believe. Like I said, like, the bigger the star, the nicer the person. Correct. And they correct. always assume the bigger the star, the bigger the asshole. Yeah. No, the bigger it's like, the no, nicer. It's, a, it's a really small town. Yeah. If they hear you're a dick or difficult, they're not going to work, work anymore. Yeah. 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 And so I've middle. been lucky to meet some movie stars to shoot. I love that. And they've always been really cool. Wow. Um, so it's, it's incredible. I'm always surprised. uh by that uh, how they're they're not like loud you know they look at you in the eyes you know yeah, yeah i gotta say like when a list actor came to our gym twice the second time he came up to me remembered my name remember who i was remember my story yeah and i was like that's why he is who he is though yeah because he remembered who i was just some random dude at the gym that he met that means a lot yeah yeah like you're like he didn't have to and i wouldn't have been like oh he didn't remember like you know what i mean like i wouldn't have, yeah. would have taken it personally and you're not you're absolutely right you're like oh there's levels to this and then, like you said the people the Jeremy's, the Michael's, this act of the world, they that is part of the reason they are where they are because people are like, oh, they're super nice and thoughtful and sweet and kind. And so so I said to myself after that, I was like, I'm gonna want I wanna work with people like that. Like mm-hmm. because after going through prison, you don't have time for BS. You're not you're <laughs> not like you're basically I said to myself, I'm never gonna work with a, a single human being 
ever under any circumstance where I hate a day of going into work right. because I dread seeing them. I already did my time. I'm not doing it again, <laughs> right? I already did my time where every day of my existence, it was a, it was a struggle to get through. Yeah. And it doesn't it's, mean I'm not going to have better. hard days, but I'm not going to work with someone who's the, the person is giving me a hard day. Yeah, it's better to work with a good-hearted person who's not like mega talented yet as yeah. opposed to like working with a big star yeah. who's kind of a, you know, yeah. douche. So I, you know, so that Disney, so anyways, bring full circle Disney then offered to buy a different property, not not that I not that original Leon Helen. What the hell? You got two? Yeah, we developed four shows last year. And then four animated shows. We have developed three with two docuseries and one scripted. And like one docuseries, one scripted, and one animation show right now are like. You created all serious, this? Yeah. Yeah. In My motivation is high. Now, the first. This was after two, prison? Yeah. Two of the stories I created the concept, I wrote the concepts for in prison. I wrote wow. four concepts in prison. Two of the four, though, I kind of replaced with newer concepts, but they were similar to the. The two I come up with in prison, wow, look but at two you, of them man. are literally like we went to DreamWorks and Disney, and and in my head I'm laughing and thinking like literally I wrote this concept. Like, like why is this happening? Fall of 2016. Who's was, we? Uh, when I say we, like I started an animation company and hired like oh yeah, that, that's artists. why you're here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have yet to touch on that. Yeah, nah, it's all good. But I mean, it's just like we started an animation company and eventually get NFTs and and because um, remember, remember my my thing about then investors right that you have confidence in investors because you know you have other investors to go to the thing that really okay. gives you confidence in dating okay is not to want to control you control because you have fear you have yeah. fear that if not this person i'm alone i'm abandoned I, there's no one else like them you light when you're like even if you know it's crazy after my sister-in-law passed away i'm like what if i be, you believed the idea you only have one true love that existed out there one perfect no. person, but and and if but then that your person dies at thirty six, like Mike and my brother, so now what you're just never gonna be you know whatever, and so what I tell people now is like, everything ends. It could be because of cancer, it could be because they cheat on you, because they break break up with you. It could be because nothing lasts. Nothing lasts forever in the best of circumstances. Mm. So instead of being heavy, be light about it. No, and I'm not saying I'm perfect at this. Know that you can go into the meeting of relationship knowing that, hey, this is triggering some bad memories for me. I'm sorry, man. (laughs) No, but uh, my friend Sarah said it best. She says, I don't believe in the one. I believe in ones. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Across. She's she's totally right. Universe and times and Sarah's ones and and, and how it relates to the entertainment for me was like. Uh, oh, we need to create a system eventually in Hollywood where there's aren't literally one Apple, Amazon, you know, uh, uh, Netflix, uh, Disney, you know, Warner Discovery, uh, Lionsgate, you know, MGM. There's literally nine to ten people you can go to if you want to make a movie. But we need to create a system where you can go directly to the community and you can finance through fans. And that's how I started getting to film NFTs because you realize oh, this is another, it doesn't replace the current model, it's additive, right? And Silicon Valley used to only be able to go to a few major venture capitalists, mm-hmm. but now there's thousands of angel investors out there. It didn't happen overnight. Likewise, with film NFTs, instead of only having to go pitch to nine or 10 major studios, even in the best of times when Disney wanted to buy my show, 
It took eight months from the time we like I first was like, hey, I got the show concept before their lawyers were in touch with us. Three months to set the meeting, three months for them to tell us they wanted to buy it, two months for the lawyers to get in touch. I literally could have made three quarters of the first season in that amount of time. It takes a while. Now imagine in the modern Web3 era we're going to, where you do a film NFT sale release, like Stoner Cats did, Ashley Kutcher, Mila Kunis, like Aku Dream and all these other people, and now you do an NFT release, and a month later, you start production because you just did three to five million dollars of NFC sales directly from fans. Wow, your life is so jam packed. <laughs> Let's talk about the the, the companies that you, uh, the websites that you're in charge sure, of. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I wanna I wanna help sure. you get it out there. So, uh, what are they, and what is your long term purpose? So, Diamond Entertainment is the animation company. Okay. And um, that one's simple. You just want to create and tell great stories. Uh, we have a number of really fun properties that we developed now outside of animation too and live action and docu-series. And um, I tell people, I want to tell the great stories of the universe. You know, where I was both as a kid and, and overseas and then obviously, um, you know, in prison, stories were transformative. They gave you hope. They encouraged you and inspired you. They cajoled you. Sometimes they beat you down. You watch The Dark Knight. I'm, I'd be surprised if your spirit is uplifted if you watch a movie like The Dark Knight. It's a pretty dark Pretty literally a dark movie, right? And but it still takes you out of it, right? Yeah. And there's that scene in in the Prestige where Hugh Jackman's character says to Christian Bale's character in the end, he says, "You you don't know why we did it. It was a look on their faces. The world knows, the the audience knows the world is miserable through and through. But if yeah. you can take them out of it for just a few hours, yeah, then the look on their faces of joy and you forget." When I was in prison, you got a good movie on TV, play sport, you watch the thing, and you literally for forget for two hours, you would forget where you were. Yeah. You the thing would end, you'd be like, I literally forgot I was here yeah. because I'm because I You're was engaged. You, yeah. you know. So I think with Diamond, we want to take great animated series and in live action. I think with diverse characters, like literally, like of my eight protagonists from the animated series, one is like a white male. Like the rest are like Asian. Or female, you know, black or Latino, etc. Right. So I think, but like I like to tell people, it's like Harry Potter gets to be Harry Potter. It doesn't have to like solve racial justice. <laughs> like I'm not trying to create characters who like have to solve like racial issues or like sexual orientation issues or whatever. Like right. Harry Potter, just no one's like, oh, Iron Man is a white superhero. Captain America is just Captain America. He's yeah. known for his personality trait, not for his ethnicity. Yeah. So like I would love to create sci-fi and fantasy characters who are literally just known for being who they are and they happen to be a female or you know mm. or 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 a different diverse Asian, person Asian Hispanic exactly you got to have all as of opposed them. to them being like oh this is a black superhero this is a gay superhero. like this is a female hero it's like no this is just a hero yeah who like, happens to be this woman yeah. who has these powers so the ones I was a kid right Dragon Ball Z and and, and Harry Potter and and Last Airbender they're all basically Besides Aang and Avatar's Airbender, they're all basically like white male protagonists. And I think it's interesting to be able to just like tell great stories where the message is not diversity. They just get to have a fun story. Yeah. But then they happen to be coming from different backgrounds. Yeah. Then with Next Hollywood in Hollywood Dow, the yeah, idea what is, is that. So Next Hollywood is like we built an NF, a film NFT, a film digital collectible platform that's someone with no code, with no technology skills whatsoever can go create their own nft collection launch it raise money with fans 
directly. Okay. And um, and then able to finance their film or their TV series. And the and the fans are buying these digital collectibles because they got to be a part of the behind the scenes process. And then Hollywood Dow, whose treasury is going to be a decentralized movie studio where fans will be able to vote on what movies and shows get developed and financed. Are these free for fans to join up? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah. Our next twitter.com forward slash next Hollywood with an underscore. Are you working alone for all three of these? No, 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 no. We have a we have a team. We have a team. Okay, yeah, we have a team. And you were talking about NFTs uh, offline to me because I'm I'm really interested in how that works. Sure. But, so uh, to the to to the outsider like me, if I look at a cool piece of art, yeah. like you know, you could easily just save as and then keep it on your hard drive. Yeah. So what is the difference between that and people actually buying? And, and you could go to the uh, you could go to the uh, to the store. You could go in, in in Malaga, Spain, where I was, and buy a pair of fake Nikes Ooh. on on the. Uh, you could buy a pair of in fake the alleyway, Nikes right? on the beach yeah. for twenty bucks, but you sure. know those are not real Nikes. Right. You're not getting real Nikes in Georgia for twenty bucks on the beach, you know, right. or in whatever country you're going to. The knockoff product, it's a knockoff. Yeah. And you know, it's a knockoff. Korea has that a lot, and, yeah. right? And, but you know, it's a knockoff, and everyone yeah. else knows it's a knockoff. They just want the look. Correct. So saving a JPEG is like buying a knockoff. Like, oh. okay, cool, you got a knockoff, but everyone knows you, you don't have the real one. What is the real one? What is that format? The format is the NFT. Like, you buy verified on the blockchain. So, like, how do how do you know that this office is yours to rent or own? Because of the papers. Which papers? Just the paperwork with the... The landlord of the owner. Yeah. But how do you know that that person actually legitimately, legitimately has access to I don't 100% know. Yeah, I mean, you you believe it. You believe right. it because you found them a real trade agent or because they haven't been kicked out yet. But reality is there's going to be a court of clerks, a county a court of clerks that is taking, got all the chain of title for every property indeed, in all of greater Los Angeles. And it may not be in all one building because there's a lot of you know courthouses. But those records are maintained around the entire, around the entire city. How do I know that my dad has owned that house that I lived in? And how does the person buying it know? Well, because the, the, the court, the, co- the county court has records of the chain of title. Oh, so-and-so bought the house in 1972. So-and-so owned it up until 1987. This person bought it in 1987 on this date. Here's the deed. Here's the records of it. And this person owned it until 2020. This is all recorded. On the blockchain, it's all publicly recorded. It's all publicly available on the blockchain. If I send you 100... A hundred dollars worth of ETH right now to buy an NFT. It's seen on the blockchain, just the way that the chain of title. So the concept of ownership is so interesting. There's certain countries, by the way, where they understand that ownership is nebulous, because if you say something at a government in this country or in in this particular country, or you say something online, guess what? Government, knock, knock, knock. uh, Come, get out. We're taking everything. We're taking your house. We're taking your, your property. We're taking. So what is ownership? What is the idea of ownership? And the idea of ownership in NFT is that ownership can be verified the blockchain. And as a smart contract, they can actually unlock things. I could set a community and say, hey, anyone who owns this token gets to have access to the behind the scenes or the table read or the storyboard for this or the whatever. And if you don't, you, you can't get access to it. Uh, there's Oh, there's a smart contract where 10% of the royalties of the future sales are going to go back to the treasury for the community that can now get a vote on what happens with it. 
So one of our core assumptions is that studio executives are challenged because it's not easy to make content decisions on what's good. Let fans vote directly. And I don't mean a vote as a poll. I mean vote with their, with literally with their wallets, with their crypto wallets. You know how we're going to find out our project Time Rack is a good project? Because if fans buy it and finance a pilot, that is the proof that there's fan interest in it. Mm. Because they, of their own accord, found it, discovered it, bought an NFT for it, and supported it. Okay. Of their own interest. Are they going to be able to read scripts? Scripts, uh, they're like a studio executive. They don't get to decide the final cut. They don't right. work. They don't have to overload over the creator. But they but would co- want to read what the story is beginning to end before they invest. And so to speak. Yeah, for example, our, our releasing our pilot tonight. We launched in a week from now. Oh. And we're releasing a pilot for our first project. Releasing a pilot tonight. Oh. It's from a showrunner, um, David H. Steinberg. Him and his wife, Kichi, showran 20 episodes of No Good Nick on Netflix. Um, he wrote Aston. American Pie 2 and Puss in Boots and a number of other projects for DreamWorks and Disney and everything like that. And so for them, they have a show and turn it off from YouTube Red. It got greenlit with Kelsey Grammer, Alexis Bedell, and Kristen Ritter attached. Wow. Kristen from you know Jessica Jones and yeah, Breaking Bad and Alexis from Gilmore Girls and obviously Kelsey Grammer. YouTube Red shuts down two days before production is going to start. And so now the product's in turnaround. It deserves to exist because sometimes people are like, oh, NFT products for like indie filmmakers who couldn't make it any other way. You're like, oof, that's a bad take. Like, no, there's actually a lot of amazing products in Hollywood where the IP is dormant, okay? The studio bought the IP rights and then didn't do anything with it or had someone who wanted to do something with it. That person leaves and then the project leaves dormant. Or maybe it's part, like maybe the project has received some of the financing, not all of it, and it needs to kind of do an NFT collection, um, and then maybe there's a community aspect. They've already made the film or TV show, but they want to token gate the, the access to the internal community to only people who buy the NFT. <sighs> Fascinating. Yeah. So the, the basic workflow like would be like we're meeting with one of the major studios next Tuesday. And the basic workflow would be like, hey, you guys have dormant IP. Okay. That you bought the rights for, tried to develop, didn't work out. And it's just sitting there absolutely dormant. Let's work together, collaborate, and release an NFT collection that represent not necessarily ownership, but access and governance over this IP. The fan doesn't really need ownership, but they do want to feel like they're creatively a part of the process, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like how many people didn't like the last season of Fill in the Blank or didn't like the sequels to X, Y, and Z movie? Well, they would have more creative control over it if not at the end, but the beginning of the process. Sonic is a really good example. I would say Sonic is a good example. There's some negative examples out there. I don't want to give them, you know, but I was give a positive example, mm. which is that Sonic, right? The the graphics came out and fans revolted. We're like, yo, this this Sonic looks so bad right now. The teeth, everything, right? The teeth. Okay. And the and the and the team ends up having to go back and spend twenty to thirty million dollars to redo all of the design for Sonic. What if they just showed him to the fans early on? Right in the process, it got that feedback instead of having to go back and spend thirty million dollars. So now fans can engage with the creative process way earlier than they could have before otherwise. Wow! So you're just giving a voice to them and one hundred percent. Let the director make the final call. Yeah, I, I think one of the things you saw in Silicon Valley, to your point from earlier, Silicon Valley used to believe in VC and professional MBA run companies. The VC is in charge. The professional MBA gets hired a year or two after the founder starts the company and gets fired. 
one of the trends in tech last 50 years is no let the founder and ceo run the company because yeah. the company's run better by the founders we haven't reached that in hollywood yet we haven't reached that mentality of get out of the showrunner creator's way and let them create okay. because they're the ones who are kind of the superstars right and so we will get to that point eventually though okay yeah so i you personally are are you surprised or shocked like how you didn't have any creative background most of your <laughs> life and then somehow all of a sudden you're a cre- you're a narrative creator like yeah it's how does that, what does that feel like it's kind of crazy i'm gonna pinch myself this meeting we're having with the major uh, this major studio um next tuesday i've been dreaming about this ip for seven years since i was in summer camp hmm. my brother sent me the book my first few months in prison and since then i've been playing it over and over in my head how to adapt it what i wanted to get it when to have a conversation wanting to get enough influence in hollywood so that i could pick up the phone and call them or they would call me and be like let's let's work together so now we're having that meeting it's still far from having that conversation but it's it's a good first step and um no i think it's i think it's gratifying i think it's so gratifying to have people respond to you offer you buy your projects like listening to you talk, it's it's flattering the first investment reviews. I think the first time you get a buy offer, you're flattered. My first buy offer was Westbrook. Like I said, like you're flattered. You're like, oh man, this is. It feels good to get that validation. Yeah. You know, I think on the other hand, though, I think it's it's the proof that there's a lot of people out there who are not in the right industry. Mm. I feel more at home in L.A. and in Hollywood as a business, as a person, as a whatever than anywhere else that I've, I've ever been in any other industry. But it took me a, d- a decade to find that. Yeah. And it took me going to prison and all this other stuff that happened. And I think that's just because, like, we make everything so opaque. We make it hard for people to get involved. And then, like, you know, we're surprised that they don't get into it or they're they're not writers or showrunners or directors. Well, it's a hard thing to just, like, self-generate into. You know, like, for me, literally was going to prison and then um, having the idea and coming out being like, I'm going to make this reality honor my late sister-in-law, honor my mom, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to turn this into a reality. So the motivation level is really, really, really high. Yeah. But I, I don't think it ha- should always have to be that way. Mm. Yeah. In some ways, all those uh, pitching to investors was like kind of like a like a half-blind training for you to pitch to these, like, executives. It's funny because when I met with Michael, he's just like, how did you learn how to do pitch this? All this other stuff. I was like, Michael, this is, this is par for the course. This, this is what I, I do. From. It's what I do. You know, so yeah. when I first pitched the Disney or whoever, I think people thought I was going to be nervous. And I'm just like, I'm excited. I'm not a robot. I'm excited. Yeah. But, yeah, I've pitched. Like, I have friends who are billionaires. Like, I've met people. Who billionaires? Are, yeah. And, like, that, that I met in tech or acquaintances maybe more is a better word. I have friends who are worth nine figures <sighs> and ride the bus, right? So it's like sure they it, ride it the puts bus. things into perspective. Yeah. Do you want to do live action eventually? Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. The series that I want to do, yeah, would be live action, hundred percent. Do you, do you have like a favorite genre that you want, you think? Sci-fi Long- fantasy, man. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's my favorite. I'm not saying I'm gonna be restricted to that, but I would just say like that's just my favorite. Right, right. Yeah, that's the favorite. most imaginative. Yeah. Infinite possibility yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah that's really fun. It's really it's so, so if much you just, fun. If you did Star Wars, like yeah. what is it, Episode Twelve or something, with <laughs> Daisy Ridley, who's who can still kick ass. Yeah, yeah. How crazy would that be? 
<laughs> I, I'd say three I, years from now. I think they're going to. No, you got to wait longer. I think they're going to leave the main trilogy, but the trilogies behind. To be honest, I think. I would hope so. I feel like I feel like Kevin and John Favreau are starting to take more and more direction of yeah. Lucasfilm. Yeah, like Kevin Feige's unannounced working on a couple things, um, or they 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 didn't announce the titles. John Favreau, obviously the Mandalorian. Yeah, and um, you know who knows? Maybe Star Wars needs that that touch, that Marvel touch, where they like have kind of a different approach. So, yeah, I think they're going to leave the main Skywalker saga alone. Yeah, I think that's done. Yeah, yeah. And if you did, part of the ch- reason that I think it's not it was tough for them to fulfill is because. The unbelievableness of it, right? The concept. Like, wait, 30 years ago, we just watched and on the timeline, you took down the Empire. Yeah. And 30 years later, you're still rebels? Gotta, like, what? Got to do it again. Like, what like, What? Wait, what happened? It's like, just life, man. People, <laughs> these these villains, they just rise up. They're but boring. my point is that the concept feels hokey to people. It's overdone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, so I, so it's I think, also I think Star Wars. Mandalorian is a perfect example. Either do familiar stories in universe, in the tr- oh, uh, I don't know in the OT universe, in like in the, like the original trilogy universe, or completely separate and do something in like you know a thousand years ago, the founding of the Jedi Republic. I'm not in Star Wars or something. I don't even know. But like the founding of the Jedi Republic, or you know the Jedi Temple, or right, like do other stories in that world. That have nothing to do with Luke Skywalker. I I agree completely. I yeah. think it's yeah. I would, but at the same time, it's so challenging because if you're gonna direct a Star Wars film, your your hands are really tied because it's basically good versus evil in space. Yeah, and you can't, it's it's pretty much a kids film. Yeah, right? but but I I enjoy the hell out of it, obviously. So there's no nuance. It's Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Lord but, of the Rings. The the bad guys wear black. Yeah. And have ugly faces like the Oric guy, right? Yeah. And the good guys, Saruman, you know, are like in white and or shiny with light and like green, good, good looking. They shower. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They eat well. Lord of the Rings is amazing in many things, but it certainly is almost little nuance, no nuance. What I told someone once, I was like, who suffers in Lord of the Rings? Who suffers? Like in the long term. And then, like, I someone, mean, they hike a lot. But yeah, but I'm saying I was like, Frodo it. loses a finger. Well, you're like, and someone's like, well, Boromir dies. I was like, the one guy who betrayed them. It's just like Star Wars. Heroes stay good. <laughs> they don't make Jack Bauer choices. Yeah. Um, the villains are just villains. <laughs> yeah. Occasionally they turn because we expect them to. Yeah. Um, but it's like, it's tough. I would like to see something like an R-rated kind of. You know, yeah, I like characters with tough choices. Yeah, no, I agree. And the, sacrifice. This IP that I'm yeah. talking about is it's 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 nuanced. It's sacrifices. Consequences got different angles. I think one of the reasons Game of Thrones is popular because Game of Thrones did not have a classic good or evil. Yeah, they had like the White Walkers and like the like a thing that was you know, but that wasn't like depressing. Like it was people being awful to each other, whether it's the Lannisters or whatever. Yeah, and that became fascinating because no one's ever seen that in fantasy before. This political drama in the fantasy world, right? So I think there's a lot of stories to tell get into it. in sci-fi and fantasy right now that could be really, really compelling. So yeah, I would say at the end of the day, I'm a sci-fi fantasy nerd. Like okay. I love sci-fi, I love fantasy. Well, look, I'm surely going to make stuff in other avenues, but that like my bread and butter, what I know the best, what I feel like my skills are storyteller, yeah. identifying, developing, and producing 
the best sci-fi and fantasy in the world is what I would say my goal is. Yeah, well, if you direct it, I would like to photograph it for you <laughs> and so I can get my non-union days in. Or union days, I don't care. Yeah, no, I appreciate Which, that. Whichever comes first. Um, so it's uh man we covered a lot dude we did cover a lot dude, and you're you're it, does it feel like your life is beginning jack of all trades master of none okay sometimes better than a master of one okay yeah no I, mean, I think it's gonna take me a long time to process that i think um yeah no you know what does it feel like life is beginning yeah i think we're i think we're getting going i think a lot of time in the tw- early 20s you're trying to figure it out yeah. what do i do what i like I have the people fun. who are master of one. I'm only good at nursing. I'm only good at teaching. I'm only good or interested in piano or whatever. Wow, they have it so easy. They, uh, cooking they're, math. There's only one cooking math. Yeah. There's all your, your, you know, your, your, your uh, white, all right. There's only one thing you're good at. It's kind of easy to decide what you should do. You do the good thing you're sure. good at. When you have a different interest and talents, it is then harder to pick because you don't know, like, you don't know what's what. Right. It's a good problem at first. Yeah. But you got to grow up. Yeah, you've got to grow up. Yeah. yeah. So for me, that focusing came, unfortunately, through a very dark, unfortunate circumstance. But, you know, I believe that nothing in the universe goes to waste. I would hope not. You know, like it's it's the good, bad, and the ugly. Nothing ever goes to waste. I don't believe that some higher power orchestrated bad things happening because that would make that, that would make that like if they're orchestrating bad things happen, it makes them not benevolent. You- but I do think that. Every situation that happens, like I would never say to someone like, oh, uh, you know, this was the universe's will for your life when something negative happened. That seems like very sadistic to me, right? Yeah. On the other hand, though, I believe that regardless of what happens, something good can come out of it. It still doesn't yes. mean it doesn't justify. It doesn't mean it happened for a reason. Yeah. But you can still get something to come out of it. So I went through yes. some really dark experiences. Yes. But. No, you're proving the point because yeah. I truly believe the worst thing that happens to you yeah. is the best thing. Yeah, exactly. I hate to say it and yeah. admit it, <laughs> but I, most of the time it's true. Yeah. And it's happened to me. It's happened to you. Everybody I know, really. Yeah. Um, no, it really has. Yeah. Do you have a family? I'm the youngest of five. No, do your own family. Oh, like no, like no wife, no kids. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that no can wait. Partner, anything like that. You just... Need a hundred billion first. <laughs> you're gonna buy Italy, right? Yeah, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna buy Italy. I I would say that Half. I really want this property, and I want to. Oh, where this? No, this I the intellectual property. Oh, like the one that we're meeting with the studio in a couple of weeks. Oh, and if we get that, then I'll feel like okay, we're we're off can, to the races. You can start dating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or get exactly. a dog. Yeah, or get a dog, oh. which could lead to dates. You know, in LA, who knows? Go to the dog You're park. Right. You meet someone cute. It's like, got to be the perfect breed, man. You, you you meet one of your ones. Yeah. Or one of one. I don't know how that no, goes. No, one of your ones. <laughs> one of your ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. This is, this is so great. And these uh, these companies that you you own them. Yeah, yeah. yeah founder. And they're pretty recent? Diamond was two years ago. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't find much on those websites, so I guess they're pretty fresh. Yeah, I just don't even, to me, it's like, what am I going to put, like, we don't, like, until there's a show on the air, like, something, like, put out there. I would update. I mean, people, you'd be surprised, I think. People do uh, visit the websites that you don't know about. And- no, 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 no. I mean, I think, I think when there's significant update, for sure. I think with Next Hollywood, like, we're going to be generating the, the momentum ourselves, whether it's 
through Twitter, whether it's through Discord, whether it's through sitting on panels like the one Michael had us on. Like I think that we'll yeah. kind of continue to drive our own momentum. Yeah. And um, and then kind of go from there. Yeah. So I mean, just to give Michael another shout out. So I pursued still photography like about four years ago. Yeah. And before that, I didn't know it was a real job. Like wow. you see these billboards and posters. I didn't know it's a photographer. I thought yeah. they just pulled it, you know. And um, but before that, I was trying to be a director, and then I put that on pause indefinitely because nothing yeah. nothing was happening. And I wrote scripts and all that stupid shit. Um, but then, yeah, and then shortly after I started pursuing stills, I, you know, I reached out to Michael and I learned so much about like the yeah. power of advertising. Yeah. <laughs> and how you only remember things visually. Correct. Right? Yes. Like, yes. People don't have time to watch a trailer in traffic, <laughs> they just see a powerful image. Yeah. And that's what they, it resonates. Yeah. And I learned that from him and my mentor, uh, David James and some other folks and constantly a learning process. Yeah. And they don't teach the art of negotiating like you shared or how to pitch, how to sell in sure. schools at all. Yeah. So, and I learned all these rules just to get in the local 600, which is a beast by itself. <laughs> uh, you don't want to know, dude, you just get another headache. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, th that's where I'm at. But um, but yeah, it's it's kind of like you, man. Like I, I think these small breakthroughs have been happening since uh, a year and a half ago. Wow. So just gotta keep staying the course, the persistence. <laughs> yeah, I, I learned I learned all these like philosophies late. Like it's uh, commitment mm -hmm. and consistency. Mm. Mm. So commitment is all those. the What's mental and emotional that you need. Okay. And consistency is just keep pumping out yeah. your work yeah. and content yeah. and failing and let everyone see. Yeah. And then someone will, someone will come through. So yeah. you got all the, you can see my narcissistic uh, photo frames of uh, <laughs> the, the stars that I've shot. Uh, no, that most people fun. can't see. Incredible. But, uh, you know. Some, uh, some of the biggest people in the world that I'm, I'm looking at right now. Yeah. I gotta say, Snoop, as as cloudy as it was in person with him, yeah. like when the camera's on, and he's an amazing host on camera. Wow, I don't know how the fuck he does it. <laughs> it's 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 like he's on. Yeah. So imagine like, him like, not smoking. Yeah. Like he was. Uh, 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 I don't. I don't. Know. <laughs> what, what do I do? What do I say? Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's been weird. So it's like I started this late too. Yeah. Guess how old I am. I mean, with that context, <laughs> you won't you won't offend me. I, I was gonna say I would have said twenty eight to twenty nine. What? Yeah, dude. But without, you're my best friend. With the context, without any of the con, I would be like, right, maybe he's thirty five. Uh, I'll take that. I just turned forty. Okay. Yeah, but well, you're yeah. a young guy. I mean, you don't look got, a day. Don't look a day over thirty. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's it's moisturizer and lots of surgery. And good um, genetics. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope so. My mom's really pretty. Um, but uh, I mean, you're a young guy. You got so much time. But yeah, uh, appreciate that. I I wish you well. Thank you. I'm so glad. Wish that you well you as well. Came out. Thank you. Came out of this like n numerous times. Yeah. Like bottom up, bottom up. Yeah. And um, I I only I only ask if we cross paths again. Like I only ask that you you do not become an asshole because <laughs> it'll get around town, man. Noted. You're yeah, not wrong. You'll, you'll end you're up not in, wrong. Yeah, you'll end up in the Hollywood Reporter. Man. <laughs> With that, with a lot of negative comments and the, a lot of negative anonymous <laughs> comments. But uh, I think your your mom and sister in law would just be celebrating like 
crazy right now. So thank you. Yeah, we very just, much appreciate just that. Just keep writing. Like there, a lot of people here in this town, they just want to be writers, but yeah. they don't they don't finish. Yeah. You you, you feel that? Yeah, no, I do. hundred percent. Like yeah. people write, but they just don't finish. Yeah. Waiting so, on someone to come save them. Yeah. 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 Um yeah. Are, are, you, like, are you a fan of uh, Christopher McQuarrie? Yeah. Writer director? Yeah. yeah. They've yeah. had him on uh John August uh, a few times. They've had him on their podcast. Oh, Script notes. He's He's a he's a university of uh, knowledge. So yeah. he comes up wow. with the best advice on uh, whether it's intentional or not. So he, I learned from him where he said, "Um, keep failing and let everyone see, and wow. then do it again." Wow. Yeah, just keep making shit. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and he says, because people come up to him like filmmakers, they're like, always asking him, "How do I sell my script? Yeah. How do I get an agent?" Sure. It's kind of like where where you're at, but yeah. you don't have to go through that. And he said something like, um, "Stop trying to think of." you breaking in the business sure. and try to make yourself a business to be acquired. Yeah. And that's what he meant by like, in the meantime, just yeah. keep making films. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. Give him something undeniable, something they want, something that flips the script. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like you in those rooms. Yeah. Like you, they, you want them to make, want you yeah, more correct. than you need them. Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah. When you start saying no to people, that's when you know you got some clout. Yeah, man. yeah. They taught me very early on. You have more power when you say no. It's like, oh, DC, we heard from our assets that you got a meeting with Disney, but we're going to pay you this much more yeah. if we can buy your show. What do you say? Yeah. But And we'll also give you five more episodes to your season if you want. Because you got such a long story. Yeah, if you want. So, but but I, I love your pitch, man. The, those yeah. uh, siblings who go back in time. No, thank you. Appreciate it, man. And um, <laughs> I I don't think it's a spoiler alert. They they may reunite with their mother. And that'll, maybe, that'll but is be, it going to happen in the first season or the first book? I predict in the first season they'll get real close, <laughs> and that that portal closes or something. Yeah. Or maybe season two you'll. <laughs> You'll satisfy my uh, my curiosity. But I love it so much. Man. I love those kinds of stories. My favorite, yeah. my favorite, favorite emotional stories about reconnecting with your love. Oh wow! Finding what you lost. Yeah, kind of thing. In real life, I'm my biggest fear is losing what you love. Sure. So, movies are yeah, they're just they're yeah, just movies are <laughs> movies. Like there's yeah. just something transcendental about them. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. I'm taking up so much of your time. This we, has been great. This has been an honor really? and pleasure to come. We might have to you. break this in two parts, man. You've been we've been talking for about two hours, two and a half. Part one, part two. Yeah, or I hope you don't cut mind. It, cut it down to twenty five minutes. Who knows? Yeah, I have your permission to release this to the public. Right? Of course, absolutely. Okay, cool. I can't wait to see what they're gonna say. Oh, yeah. I, I you see why some of those talk show people, their podcasts go for three hours. They just chat I, for three I, that's hours. That's too they long. Edit. I don't want to do that. I try to follow the rule of like sixty minutes, seventy, yeah, maybe eighty. But yeah, yeah. But either way, this well, two chunks work. coming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for and, having me. Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming all the way here, and uh, good luck with everything. And yeah, man, I'm so excited for you. Thank you. You as well. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>